You may find this hard to believe, but 60 songs that explain the 90s, America's favorite poorly named music podcast, is back with 30 more songs and 120 songs total. I am your host, Rob Harvilla, here to bring you more shrewd musical analysis, poignant nostalgic reveries, crude personal anecdotes, and rad special guests, all with even less restraint than usual. Join us once more on 60 songs that explain the 90s, starting Wednesday, May 17th, on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Welcome back to another episode of the Ringers NBA Draft Show. My name is Kevin O'Connor, and joining me, as always, is the Ringers' Jay Kyle Man. What's going on, man? How you doing today? Doing fantastic. Weather's sunny here. Derby weekend has wrapped up. It's the most beautiful time of the year to live to live in Kentucky, so there's a little pep in my step, and I'm feeling better. How you doing, Kev? I'm doing great, man. I'm having a good time. The playoffs are a heck of a lot of fun. We're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, last night. We saw the Lakers and the Warriors, you know, the game four, it felt like a game seven. That series has been amazing. Knicks, Heat, you know, 3-1. Knicks not so nice right now. We'll see what happens on Tuesday night with the with the game fives we have tonight. But I'm having a lot of fun with the playoffs, Kyle. And we are one week away from the NBA draft lottery, the night that's going to really determine, you know, potentially the next 10 years, the next decade of NBA history with how things could unfold that night. So I'm I'm fired up, man. I, I like this is the best time of year. End of the second round, near the conference finals, NBA draft lottery, the combine starting up. Uh everything's happening right now. It's fun. Yeah, the games have been increasingly amazing as you would expect. And then uh, yeah, the, the excitement about, you know, we 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 speculate all year about like hypothetically who would fit where. But we're going to finally kind of get a little bit of a map where we can really start to speculate in detail. Uh, and, you know, at the your mind goes to the very top about like, yeah, this is the Wimbanyama sweepstakes in a lot of ways. Um, and but there also are, you know, teams that it, it could dictate 
where teams are or what kind of decisions they're going to make, whether they want to stay. I've, I've got a couple thoughts on that about different teams in the draft. Um, yeah, so it's it, there's there's a lot going on, and we're getting sort of uh, images coming out of the P three kind of uh, workouts oh, that are always you see fun the to Cam see. Whitmore one, <laughs> the high jump. I'm just blown away. It reminds me a little bit of like the Zion Anthony Edwards thing, just because of his body type. You know, like it's 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 pretty wild how far up there he is. I mean, we knew he was an athlete, but God, that picture, man. Yeah, he like he clears the whole freaking thing. I mean, he's gonna he might shatter records. Uh, with the vertical at the combine, assuming he doesn't. But even if he doesn't, I mean, we see the photo evidence at P3. His hand looks like it's going to touch the rafters, like it, or the Wiggins. <laughs> the, it's kind of like the, that Wiggins picture almost looks like a like a painting. You know, like the one that famous picture of him where how I'm, it's probably similar height. Like it, it's it's that awe inspiring. Like those two guys as athletes. So what we're going to talk about today, Kyle, is you're right. Like, this is the the Wemby sweepstakes. But, you know, even the teams that do move up or the teams that don't, there's a lot of teams with a lot to gain, a lot to lose. So what we're going to do on today's show is we're going to talk about those teams, teams with the most to gain, the most to lose. And then we're going to do our final pre-lottery mock draft. We're going to spin the wheel on Tankathon and pull out a random order live on the pod. And we're going to do the first five-ish picks uh, depending on who moves up. And um, yeah, we're going to do a live mock at the end of the pod. But let's start off, Kyle, with the three teams that have the most to gain on lottery night. Uh, just to throw out the odds real quick, you get Detroit, Houston, San Antonio, Charlotte for the top four, Portland, Orlando, Indiana, Washington, Utah, Dallas. That's the the top 10 in order for draft odds with Orlando, the pick would go to Chicago if it moves up at 11th, then Oklahoma City, Toronto, New Orleans. That's our lottery. Who are the teams that, or who is the team, Kyle, that comes to mind first for you that has the most to gain on lottery night? Well, I mean, the first place that your mind goes, the biggest thing to gain in this draft, whoever gets the chance to take Wimby. And I mean, I think there are a couple teams that are positioned there at the top that are that are sort of positioning themselves in just how wandering and how bad they've been. Uh, I mean, San Antonio, I feel like, is a team that has, if you look at their roster, you're kind of like, okay, I don't really know, t- speaking of a map of the lottery on the team side of this, the t- they're a team that, like, when you look at their roster, you're like, you don't really know what the map is, you know? And I feel like f- to go from that sort of void of form state that they're in um, and to move into something that makes sense that could set a roadmap, I feel like they are in a, in a position to sort of gain some, if, if they can get one of those top three picks, I feel like they are in a position to sort of gain some certainty that they've been without. You know, I feel like they've been without without that ever since like their their veteran transition out of the tran- out of the franchise where, you know, DeRozan sort of grew his game and moved on. LaMarcus Aldridge moved on. I feel like San Antonio, in in their pursuit of like finding certainty, they have a lot to gain. Whereas these other teams are sort of trying to bolster what they have, and I think that's a sure. big thing. That makes total sense. Like with Detroit, they have Cade. You know, Houston, they just drafted Jabari Smith. They got Jalen Green. Charlotte's got Lamelo Ball. Portland, you know, uncertain future with Damian Lillard, but they do have Dame. And if they even if they were to trade Dame, they'd get a haul in return. You know, the Magic are in good shape. The Pacers have Halliburton. And the Wizards, and, I mean, I think they have a lot to gain, too, in, in terms of the, what you're talking about there and having a roadmap. Utah is set up well. Chicago, I think they have a lot to gain as well. Oklahoma City, they're set up well. 
I'm with you, Kyle. I, I think the Spurs right now, they have some good young talent. You know, I, I like what they have. Um, you know, I think Devin Vassell is one of the more underrated young players in the entire NBA right now. The progress that he has made each season of his career uh, has been incredibly impressive. Like Jeremy Sohan, uh, the guy like uh, Keldon Johnson, they get a lot of talent on that team, but they don't have the guy that you're talking about here. And and whether it's Wemby at number one or whether it's a Scoot Henderson or one of the Thompson twins, somebody like that could kind of define the character of this team into the years to come. The Spurs, I think they they nail it like in, in terms of the lens that you're looking at. You know, I think another lens to look through is, you know, some of these teams that are already set up well, you know, that already have some good things going for them. How can they take the leap from very good positioning to, oh, we're we're suddenly in a position to compete for years to come? And Dallas is the obvious choice there, where you already have Luka, uh, one of the best players in all of basketball. If they were to slide up to number one and you pair Wemby with Luka, that obviously goes without saying how magical that combination would be with those two guys. But even if they were to go up to number two or number three or number four, whether they use that pick to draft a young guy to pair with Luka or flip that pick in a trade, Dallas is a team, you know, after tanking their way out of the play-in at the end of the season and getting the fine (laughs) for doing it, if they were to move up, they're a team that suddenly could, I think, really propel themselves back into that upper class in the Western Conference that they have so quickly fallen out of. Yeah, talking about the Wimby, the Wimby Luka thing, I just can't, I just uncontrollably laugh if I even imagine that. Can you that, imagine, but, dude? Like, <laughs> oh my goodness. so ridiculous. That, oh, like, what do you do? I don't know, man, because they they would fit together. That's the that's the thing. Like they really <sighs> would fit together. That would be really an an international. It'd be a better version of what we imagined he would be like with uh, Porzingis. You know. Oh yeah, definitely. And and I was telling you when I got on Tankathon earlier, the first spin that I did, Dallas rose to the top, and I was just sitting alone in my office, and I just like threw my hands in the air. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> just just the thought of that is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's what's wild like if that were to happen next week like if you know they're pulling out the cards and you see new orleans 14 toronto 13 oklahoma city 12 orlando 11 and then utah comes up at 10 you'd be like i would lose it if dallas moved to the t- top four <laughs> like i can't imagine the the reaction in the room when that could happen it, it's it's just absolutely insane to think about your guy Elon would have to get some more people on do du- on server duty that night because I feel like that would break Twitter. I, I can't. <laughs> it would break Twitter. Yeah. I can't. Uh, yeah, that's that would that would be insane. I think you hit on something though that's interesting when we're talking about gaining and losing. I think with the Lucas the thing, obviously you're supporting your your star and uh, you're you're looking. You're in a. Some some of these teams are in more of a, a superstar. T- there's more like they're more desperate to a- attain the superstar talent thing. The Wizards are a funny one to me, just because. And I keep thinking about that Spencer Dinwiddie burn that he threw Kyle Kuzma's way. He was like, "You guys have three max players, but you didn't make the playoffs." Um, <laughs> uh, and I was just thinking, the Wizards for all their for all of that, you know, perceived. We talk about roadmaps you've got these guys here and it's almost like, is it real? Like, because if you have those guys, you shouldn't be in the position to think circling back to talk about the best available thing. 
I was looking at them and trying to decide who should just take best available. And I still think the Wizards should do that, despite them having three max players like like Spencer Dinwiddie said. When it comes to best available, isn't best available relative in the sense that like what's best available to you may have to do with your current roster like what i'm saying is is like a like there's no such thing as like a consensus list of best available for each respective team with their priorities and their philosophy and their current state of the roster i i think you know i had a conversation with an executive years ago you saying that makes me think about it when it comes to this like of course you draft for need because need factors into who the best available players are uh, so I, I guess I'm just curious, like with Washington, you know, related to them specifically, they currently have the eighth best odds. What is best available for them? Like, what do they need? Is it everything? Like, as in, like, the, every type of need <laughs> applies to them? Uh, whereas, like, for some teams, that's not the case. Like, with Detroit, you can say they already have Ivy. They already have Cunningham. They already have ball handlers. Maybe you lean towards somebody who complements them as the best available talent for Detroit. Whereas with Washington, it's like, whatever we can get, baby, like, we'll take it. I just think that, like, the the best available versus it, it all just kind of comes down to what you're what you have nailed down to what you're committed to, because if you if you do draft best available. I mean, there are some things that enter into it. You know, you can get into a situation where maybe, uh, let's see, I had this written down because I was thinking about this. It, you know, if the main thing that you want to avoid is dissonance at, at a position because that adds, that creates situations where maybe the player doesn't play, which creates a chain reaction of maybe you have a young player that's not getting to play. Maybe they get unhappy. Maybe it makes an older player unhappy that the player's there. Like it just creates a lot of questions that uh, maybe you had the stomach to deal with those. Maybe you don't. I mean, you look at the you look at the Warriors. I don't know that it's necessarily it's it wasn't a dissonant thing. It was more of a you know they deemed Jonathan Kaminga the the bet the highest upside pick at that spot, and he just wasn't ready to play in their system. Maybe it was a bad fit. Ultimately, they misread the situation. I just think specifically if we're talking about the Wizards, I don't see any of those players and think like I'm so married to the 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 situation we have here. Like I'm so certain I have such a level of certainty about what we have here that I'm willing to uh, pass on somebody for this uh, for the reason of dissonance. Like I don't I don't think I would be thinking like that if, if I were them. I would I would just be trying to take the highest talent available um, whether that fit with what I have or not, like I wouldn't be worried about the issues that it could create. Create. What's amazing with the case of the Wizards is they they fire Tommy Shepard, uh, who was the general manager of the team uh, three weeks ago, and he has not been replaced yet. Uh, so for the Wizards, we are now. Did you throw your hat in, tr- Kev? No, I did not. I'm not moving to DC. <laughs> <laughs> that's the reason why. Yeah, yeah that's okay. uh, yeah. And, and here's the thing, Kyle. Like, let's say theoretically, you and me, we got offered the opportunity to run an NBA franchise. There's only 30 of those jobs, and you can't say no. But would you really want to work for Ted Leonis, who has a playoff mandate for your franchise, and and he he he's dictating your every move because of that? Like, you can't do all the things that you may otherwise do because of this. Bradley Beal situation, the desire to compete, needing to bring on a Chris Abbott's Porzingis despite the great year he just had. This team's stuck in the middle, and he and you you're working for an owner that isn't willing to take steps back. 
I I wouldn't want to run like if I could choose, I would I would not want to run a team for an owner like that. I just, I just feel like you're handcuffed not to make excuses for Tommy Shepard. He made mistakes in the draft. He whiffed year after year. But I don't know. I I just think it would be very very hard to to run a franchise as a general manager when that's a mandate from your owner. You think Avdia was a whiff? I agree with you. By the way, that would be the worst situation. You said year after year. I'm just this. I'm just not. I'm not trying to corner you. I'm just. Qu- I'm just asking you. Do you think? Do you think the Avdia pick was was a good one, or do you think that we've reached the point where that was a whiff? Look, dude. I think when I say whiff, Denny Avdia, a guy a lot of people thought was going to go top five, he slides to number nine. I can't call it a whiff. I feel like he was worth the the risk. He was worth mm-hmm. the swing. He was worth it. Like I would have swung at that pitch too. But it was a whiff. And, you know, like it or not, that's just the result because of his lack of development on offense. With that said, though, he's just 22 years old. You know, he's a very good defensive player. Uh, He's still shown a little bit of, you know, passing feel like he did overseas. Maybe if the three-point shot ends up actually developing, he'll he'll pan out into something, but he's shown no consistency through three years uh, in the NBA, and he never showed any consistency behind the arc and years prior overseas. So uh, maybe Denny's just one of those guys who can't figure it out as a three-point shooter. So yeah, he seems like a whiff. And even like Rui Hachimura. Rui, I had him ranked lower than he was selected at number nine. I think I had him like late teens, 17, 18 or something like that. Rui's playing the best basketball of his life with the Lakers right now, surrounded with the most stability that he's ever had. But even then, I mean, Rui, Rui was a home run swing. And he was a worthy risk for the Wizards, like in the sense that if we hit here, if he pans out and becomes this versatile six foot eight shot maker with toughness and versatility on defense, we have a guy that can elevate Bradley Beal. I think it was worth it considering their positioning with where they were as a franchise. Like this was this was Tommy Shepard, in my opinion, from my assessment on the outside. This was him navigating around that that mindset that from ownership like we have to take risks in the draft to potentially bolster what we have with our intentions to stay in the middle and compete for the playoffs they needed one of these to hit and none of them did like Rui's a solid player but he's not a superstar level guy so all of these risks year after year I think they were worth it but they just never worked out which is unfortunate you know because now they're in the position they are now as a team stuck smack in the middle of one of the worst contracts in all of basketball and as much as i like kp this last season there's no saying he'll actually stay healthy again yeah and he was in a contract year he had a lot of motivation it's hard to like read into that and just be like for sure you know we we, we're for sure that he's going to go forward and it's weird that they're in the middle but it doesn't feel like it it feels like they're just kind of treading water like you know like it Mm. seems because there's movement kind of going on and uh, teams like that are going to pass them um i don't know and then you get the uh, yeah are they the team with the most to lose here, Kyle? Have we stumbled into that? Are they the team with the most to lose on lottery night? Considering everything we're talking about right now, if, if they don't move into the top four and they end up with another pick, number nine, you know, number eight, whoever it ends up, that's like, oh, she's like, now we're in a position where we get to take another one of these swings or a guy that we don't feel like has superstar upside. Whereas if they move up, things get very interesting there. 
Yeah, I feel like they're going to have to do what you just described and take another big swing. Like how you, how else are you going to move out? You know, like how else are you going to move out of the spot you're in? Because if you're if you're trying to t- play it safe and bolster with like maybe like a role player, like or somebody that kind of just supports what you do. I mean, that'll help you get better, but it seems like they need to rip out some of the foundation and like rebuild some of like what their what their offense and defense are like built around. And that's kind of what we what we mean. And like, are you going to find somebody like what was the range that you just said? Did you say like in the not like eight, eight, seven, eight, nine range? Is that what yeah, you said? I mean, eighth best odds now. Maybe that moves down to nine, something like that. Yeah. And then, by the way, that's where they took Rui and Danny ninth. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Denny was a little safer. Like, I don't know that the superstar, I never personally thought that. He, I, I always just kind of thought he'd be a good role player. But uh, the, Johnny Davis, I never I never understood that one at any point. Um, but Rui, yeah, I, I do I do think Rui fits the bill in what you talk about. Something, something else, too, that's interesting on the, like, gaining and losing thing, specifically if you look at, like, Luca, and I think Charlotte is another team like this, that, you know, you stand something that you can stand to lose is some of these players like are on the the clock is ticking louder for some superstars than others, right? Like a lot of people were looking at the Shea situation. They were like, does Shea really want to play losing basketball for like another season? And that that was kind of going, but okay, see, steady the ship and they have something rolling now. Um, I feel like I feel like Charlotte is a team that's I don't know. I'd be curious to get your opinion on this. That like, how how loud do you think the clock is ticking for Lamelo if they wander for another year? Say if they don't get a superstar. I mean, he's he's still a restricted free agent after the next season. So I mean, they like the Charlotte's in control there. But I I still wonder when will the day come uh, that a player says I'm going to sign that qualifying offer and become unrestricted the following year. Like yeah. that day's going to come someday. Who knows when it will be, who it will be, um, but that day will come um, for a player to do that. Will it be Lamelo Ball? Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. But I think if you're if you're Ball, uh, you see a lack of organizational stability with an ownership change upcoming, a different coach, um, you know, changing supporting casts. Lamelo seems like you know with the the Ball family uh, that he could be somebody crazy enough to do it. So who knows there? I, I think with Lamelo. Uh, we could be nearing that point um, that the the noise begins, but it's kind of funny. Like you bring that up, Kyle, like, <laughs> like ESPN talks about that for years with Zion, you know, like we talk about it with Giannis. Lamelo is so hidden in Charlotte, despite the stardom of the ball family, family with Lonzo and Lamelo being known as long as they have. Lonzo is out of the picture right now. He's hurt. Hopefully he can come back. Lamelo is in Charlotte, a team that is not very good in a small market that doesn't get a lot of media attention nationally. You don't hear those whispers about like, hey, what are they going to do about this 21-year-old player who's averaged, you know, 20 points and eight assists and seven rebounds and is a great playmaker and a great shooter off the dribble? What what are they going to do about him? That pressure is not there. But you're really the first person I've heard bring it up. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Maybe Maybe that's... Maybe what you said about uh, his his situation, because he is a brand as a player is a pretty unique thing. It's like, does he does he have enough going on where he and he's been a he's been kind of a like a path pioneer a little bit like these. They've done things in an unorthodox way. And it makes you wonder if they'll continue to do it. Um, but I, th- I think they need to win the lottery pretty sorely just to get out of the wandering. Like, 
they're due for something like this. I feel like I, I just feel like Charlotte is due for something like this. And I, I don't know. I, I, you talk about like pairings. I, I do think that the Wimby Lamelo pairing would be. I mean, they'd probably rocket to the top of the league pass rankings. I would think. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus. View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Wearing a men's warehouse outfit makes you confident, like you could do anything, so you dance like no one is watching, even though everyone is watching. Because of the men's warehouse outfit, you interview like the job is already yours because it is. Because of the men's warehouse outfit, you golf as if the rules don't apply to you because you're too well-dressed for rules. Because of the men's warehouse outfit. At Men's Warehouse, get measured, get fitted, get hot, get confident in everything from tailored suits to underwear and all the stuff in between. Love the way you look at Men's Warehouse. Well, let's do our mock draft here, Kyle. This feels like a good moment to do it. I'm going to share my screen. We're going to spin the wheel live on the pod here, Kyle. The anticipation here. Detroit, Houston, San Antonio, Charlotte, our top four. I'm going to simulate the lottery now, and we're going to see what happens. Ooh, we got Indiana. Moving up to number one. Jesus. The first pick in the draft. Portland <laughs> oh my God. moves up three spots to number two. Detroit down to three. Charlotte down to four. Houston down to five. San Antonio down to six. Orlando down to seven. So oh, two teams Houston. moved up. Indiana six spots. Portland three spots. Our top four, Kyle. Indiana, Portland, Detroit, Charlotte. What's your first reaction? The Pacers get Victor Wembanyama. Oh, my goodness. Tyrese Halliburton, congratulations. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, that would be... I feel like anytime, anytime we spin this wheel, it's just... it's We get excited about Wimby going XYZ plays. But, I mean... What do you think about Wimby and Miles playing next to each other? Is that a, is that a thing that could potentially happen? I mean, it, it work a lot better than Sabonis, I think, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think their I think their styles are a little more simpatico. Um, I think that could work. I mean, the spacing thing. I I was looking at, um, yeah, I was I was looking at, at at a whole different set of players for for Indiana. Like, what would fit them? I know we've talked a lot about like connectors and things like that uh, that that would make sense for them. Yeah, that's. That would, that would be a crazy pairing, man. I mean, Hallie and, and I, I think that Victor's like kind of competitiveness would fit with with that group of guys, too. I think that would be a really interesting just uh, personality meld. Big time. Big time. I, I would love that. Like the Matherin competitiveness with Wemby as well. It feels like a great personality fit with all those guys. Halliburton, he can steady the ship or he, he can accelerate things if necessary. 
the, like if teams are switching those pick and rolls against Halliburton and Wemby, all the mismatches that would be created, man, like that would be a lot of fun. So Pacers, they get the first pick, they get Wemby. Portland, number two. Uh, suddenly, Kyle, what an interesting position to be in if the Blazers are here because you know you get Damian Lillard potentially on the move this offseason or not. We don't know yet there. But now it's like at the number two pick, do you take a Scoot Henderson and Amen Thompson, who's more of that ball handling presence, and and move on from Damian Lillard and flip him for a bunch of assets, or do you go with a a Brandon Miller out of Alabama and you know continue building with Damian Lillard? Like, there's two paths here for the Pacers for the uh, Blazers that they could go down with the second pick if they do move up here. What, what do you? What way would you lean uh, with Damian Lillard in that number two pick? I mean, you know, I think on on a lot of big boards, I don't know about like most big boards or or whatever, but I, people, you know, Scoot is projected there. I don't know that that totally would make sense to me. I know Scoot, Scoot and and Dame talk, or, and they have a relationship. I know, uh, and a dynamic already. Not that that would really matter for me. I think if you're if you're going forward with what you have, I had kind of zeroed in on. I think that they really could use like a solid, consistent defensive anchor, but I don't think that there's going to be one that projects taking that high yeah. there and do you think they would move the pick if they got the second pick that would be my question i uh, know that that's an interesting question there because if you get number two that's a great pick to move is there is there a team so like there's two ways to look at this do you if you're portland you could move out but if you move out who like who's the guy that's available are the clippers trading paul george like as somebody to pair with Dame, are they willing to take a step back and get themselves a new face of the franchise, a young guy, new stadium opening up in a year after the draft? You know whether or not Kawhi stays around. Regardless, that's a, that's just a, a player who comes to mind. Um, other than that, like of top guys who could move the needle for you, I I, I don't I, I don't I don't really know. Like nobody nobody sticks out to me. Other than Paul George, Carl Anthony Towns with Minnesota. I don't know if if Minnesota's moving him, uh, but I don't know if you want him here, Portland. I'd rather go the other way. I think and trade Dame. What about what about you? I think that we've. I feel like you and I have had some version of this conversation several times on this show, but and, and I, I'm probably repeating some of my feelings again here. But I think I would just try to take the most talented player on my board, who I thought it was, just because the Dame. So you're we're, taking we're, you're taking a player. You're you're not trading. I don't think, yeah, I don't think I'm going to trade just so because. Who are you taking? Brandon Miller? Amen Thompson? Who do you want, Kyle? Been pondering this a lot in the past few days, Kev. <laughs> um, I know you're anti Scoot. You're Scoot's biggest skeptic. Come on. No, I'm not. <laughs> I said I've okay. had queasy feelings that I'm dealing with and more, more detail on that coming. Um, I'm going to. And I've been kind of going all over the place on this. I know back in November I said this and then I moved away from it. And now I think I might move back towards it again. I feel like I might take Amin Thompson number two. I might be crazy, but I like I've heard some reports that there are some teams near the top that really love Amin Thompson too. So I don't think it's crazy. Just for this exercise, where I'm feeling right now, I would do that just because I don't know where you're going if you're the Blazers. You just describe the chessboard, what's out there, what you can move for that pick. I don't think it's worth it. If Paul George is out there and that's the guy who can never stay healthy, he just habitually misses games, he's not the youngest guy in the world, I don't know that you win a title with those two guys, I think I would hang on to it and just kind of 
you've got some interesting young guard pieces too. Like, you know, and and you're not going to get a defensive anchor at that at that spot. To me, you've zeroed in on take the most talented player on your board. I think I would take Amen right there to pair with the guards that they have. At number three, Detroit slides down here. They're sad, but they're still feeling good. You had Cade coming back. Ivy closed the year tremendously. It's got to be Brandon Miller here, right? Like, you're not taking Scoot with those other guys you have. It's Miller, right? Yeah, and, and I don't even think that that's an affront to Scoot either. I, they just they have no. solid guys that work. They have leadership. They have ball pressure. They have, like, and I think they, they just need shooters. And they, another handler who can, like, Miller doesn't just give you spot up. He gives you spot up. But I think you start to get interchangeability between your core three pieces. That's great. And if one of those core pieces that's your ball handler is 6'9 and can hit dribble, pull up threes and pass the ball, his playmaking upside is really high, I, th- I think. I, we both, I think we both agree on that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I love Miller's passing. That's, that's the first thing I really fell in love with with his game is the playmaking it with his size. The scoring, the shooting, that's, you know, goes without saying with what he brings. Um, the chase down blocks, the intensity on defense. I, I think he's going to be, you know, second best player in the draft behind Wemby. Um, but I, I, I don't fault you for taking Amen Thompson number two. I think Amen's upside is significant. That's a worthy swing for the Blazers. But this is a great fit for the Pistons at three. But now we're in an interesting situation, Kyle. If this were to happen on draft night, Scoot's still on the board. Maybe at number two, Portland's getting trade offers, you know, for somebody to move up to get Scoot. But at the same time, it, it, number four here, it's possible Scoots could slide. Somebody could slide. Scoot at four. They have Lamella Ball. We were just talking about their situation. You get your primary ball handler. The Scoot Lamella pairing. I, I I don't know. I mean, maybe I like Charlotte's it. getting offers. You do like it. You like yeah, it. Yeah, I actually do like that. I had that written down like in my it. notes because I was thinking about okay. it. The reason that works is because. Uh, Lamelo, for as virtuosic as he is with the ball, he doesn't need it all the time. He can move on. He can fluidly move on and off the ball, and that's something that like he and Cade kind of have in common. That a lot of these younger guards are having when they come to the league is he's a he's a pretty decent reload shooter. He he runs, he moves off the ball, unlike some other virtuosic passers in in this NBA that we know about. I think they like would be. <laughs> yeah, I think that they would be. A very fun pairing. I think you get some ball pressure. I think you get rim pressure. I like that pairing. I don't know. What, what, are, you, what are your kind of reservations with it? Scoot off ball. When LaMelo does have the ball, will Scoot be the mover you're talking about that LaMelo can be? How is his shooting going to be off the catch as a three-point shooter when LaMelo's running high pick and roll with Williams? You know, the, Can he make himself a threat? We'll see. I mean, I think with Scoot, I have some level of belief in his shot. We've talked about it over the season. He's been a good mid-range shooter in the past. This year, his his numbers did slip. But I I think that guy's a worker that you're betting on the shot translating at some point. So that'd be my concern. But the upside of those two together, man, it'd be significant. So I'm, I'm with you. I would not take... I, like, I don't know, like, who who would you even consider over Scoot at this point if you're Charlotte? W- you know, like, uh, I think you look at some of the other guys on the board, Osar Thompson, probably not over Scoot, Anthony Black, Jarris Walker, Cam Whitmore. I, I don't think you take any of those guys over the upside of Scoot Henderson with the fourth pick there. Uh, you, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Kyle. And number five, though, now at Houston, you're probably hoping for Scoot, too. Because mm. you've got Jalen Green, who's more of the, your two-guard. You could use a point guard, a downhill attacking presence. If you're a Houston, you get all these future picks. I guarantee you, 
at number five, they're at least looking to move up at this point. So they're making offers to to Portland at two, Detroit at three, Charlotte at four, trying to move up to get Scoot Henderson. So maybe on an actual draft night situation, they have enough draft ammo and young talent that they could do that. Um, I'd be surprised if they couldn't actually put together an offer strong enough. But at number five, if they stay here, I could also see that being a team that trades out. Like, like, is there anything at five that you're like, oh my God, pair them with Jabari Smith and Jalen Green. I'm getting fired up about that. Because for me, no, there's nobody at five. Uh, I'd, yeah, I'd be looking to improve my, I mean, they just, they have some offensive things that make sense, but they are just so like defensively, they, they really could use a solid anchor. They really could use some more like on-ball pressure. Do you think a, an Anthony Black there? Like, could you add a, a a guy who has like a shaky shot there that that is a little unpre- or or a Cam Whitmore or I don't know. You you seem like you're queasy about that. Yeah, I don't I, I don't like any of the fits. Uh, I don't know, but I would I would want to trade out. I'd be I'd be wanting to trade out honestly if I'm Houston at number five. Like it would be crushing. If Just you, trade if you out of the lottery totally, like you or like yeah. I'd consider trading out for a player um, mm. or even more future picks, more ammo. I think I think I think it's a good time to load up, you know, to load up on picks, you know, if things sour on Dallas, like at this point, you know, in, in our lottery here, they have the 10th pick. That's a crushing result for them with their situation with Lucas free agency just years away. If you're Houston, I, I think now's the time to load up on picks and prepare for, you know, an Embiid. If the Sixers were to lose in the playoffs, we don't know what's going to happen on Tuesday night against Boston, just making sure. But an Embiid, you know, a Luka, like who's that next megastar that's going to be available? And who's going to have the picks to get it done? Is it Houston? Is it Utah? Is it New Orleans? Uh, who is it going to be? Is it even the Knicks? Like if a if a player if a player forces their way to the Knicks, they have a good amount of future picks as well. If I'm Houston, I'm just thinking about that right now because I don't know about that fifth pick for them. But if they do stay here for the purposes of our lottery, um, for our mock draft here, how how do you feel about Osar Thompson here for the fifth pick? Uh, I like it. I think he, you know, D has has some interest in defense and gives them some athleticism on the perimeter that I think would be good and some size, Toughness, um, some grit, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, just kind of looking at what they're building around right now. I mean, you start to kind of look at the, you know, you got Jabari, you got a couple non shooters in your lineup already with Tari and Shingun. If you assume Tari is going to be a starter, but then you have Jabari and yeah, Uh Asar, I mean, I wouldn't hate the fit there. I mean, it's he is, and and Asar has some star upside. I think too. That's another, yeah, that's another bet. I, I think he'd be good for the personality of their team too. Um, yeah, I could see, I could see that fit working with the sixth pick, San Antonio. We were talking earlier in the pod, Kyle, about how important it is for them to you know find some clarity with their future. So they fall to six here, you know, again, crushing. You're depressed and sad on draft night. Greg Popovich is like, you know what? I'm out. Peace. <laughs> so they get the sixth pick at this point. Where are you leaning? What are you thinking for the sixth pick for the Spurs? They're another team like they're another team that I don't know what the map is. Like you said, I, I really like Devin Vassell. I like Keldon. Zach Collins has kind of come on and Sohan makes sense. They have a lot of they have a lot of guys that it just feels like 
satellites kind of floating that need something to orbit that I always use that word orbit because, you know, the superstar is the thing that everything kind of builds around. I don't know in that range, superstar wise, I, the guy like I, I think Whitmore potentially has that has that kind of upside. I mean, you could maybe talk me into I don't I, I don't know if Jarris fits there. Um, they're a team that I could see they're not going to force it if like a superstar talent isn't there. Um, I could see them moving too. Like you know, they're they're not somebody that's just going to take. You know, it ha- it has to be a player. They're they're one of the foremost teams in the league, I think, perennially historically that they really want to pick guys that fit their culture and they vet them personally. Um, so they're not going to just pick just to pick. So I could see them moving. But if they were going to pick somebody with superstar upside, I could see Whitmore or Black there. Yeah. Fix the shot, right? Yeah, uh, just because. You know, we've seen this in these playoffs, and you, you and I, I think, had this conversation about like what keeps guys on the floor. I think Black's going to be a guy that's going to be able to keep himself on the floor. He's super smart. He can add value in little areas. You know, he's not afraid to take on tough defensive assignments. He doesn't stick on the ball. He attacks the basket. He's a good culture guy. He feels Spursy to me. Am yeah, I? Am I, I, agree. I, I agree. I agree. Anthony Black feels very Spursy to me. Um, I'd love to see what they can do with him. And I think he also could help be a, a setup man for the aforementioned young wings we've talked about, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson. Uh, to me, Anthony Black makes a lot of sense there. Cam Whitmore does too. I'd love to see Whitmore with the Spurs. Um, but Anthony Black, I think, should be our pick here. Number seven, Orlando. Uh, in this draft, they would have the seventh and the eleventh pick. So like, they're another one of those teams. I could see them trying to consolidate those two picks, um, seven and eleven, to move up to maybe five or four. Um, who knows? Um, but he, for our purposes, no trades with the seventh pick. You know, I, I'm thinking Cam Whitmore, the guy we just talked about. Um, you know, some of the other names on the board: Jarris Walker, Taylor Hendricks, Kaysen Wallace. You know, Keontae George, Nick Smith. I feel like Cam Whitmore stands out as a guy who kind of plugs in the middle as a versatile wing, you know, a, a guy who can be a lob threat. You can use him as a ball handler. I think Cam Whitmore is the guy here for the Magic at the seventh pick. Yeah, I think he'd give them perimeter speed, give them some size, some switchability. The thing about the Magic is that, like, they do have a nucleus of, of something that is working. Like, and a lot of their touches are kind of accounted for, not to the level of, like, the way that we talked about the Kings and Keegan Murray last summer, but it's sort of like, it'd be a good situation for him just because you know Franz and Paolo and you know that Markel's going to come in there and sort of be your, your not, you know, not a ball dominant point guard, but you're another ball handler that's being used a lot. And you could sort of bring Cam along slowly. You know, I don't, I, I feel pretty good about the shot. I don't know that he's ever going to be elite, but I think he gives you just another athletic attacker. I think that he would fit there well. I just think the developmental groove with Orlando could be healthy for him. No, I'm with I'm with you for sure, Kyle. I think with Whitmore, you know, for him, this is a good place he can ease into development, not too much too soon. Uh, it would be a nice, healthy dose, like you're talking about. For the latter half of the lottery, we did our top seven picks: Indiana, Wemby, Portland, Amen Thompson, Detroit, Brandon Miller, Charlotte, fourth, Scoot Henderson, Houston, five, Osar Thompson, six, San Antonio, Anthony Black, seven, Orlando, Cam Whitmore. For the second half of the lottery, let's go quick hit, Kyle. Rapid fire, starting with number eight, the Washington Wizards. We talked about them as a team possibly with the most to lose on draft lottery night, considering their situation. And number eight, who you picking? 
Uh, if them, I think I'm going to go with Kaysen Wallace. Uh, I think Kaysen, I've talked about it a lot on this show. I think he gives you a two-way player. He gives you some playmaking upside. I think he'd be a good fit for them. All right, so then with the ninth pick, we have Utah. They obviously have a very encouraging season. Larry Markinen, most improved player of the year. Walker Kessler, despite being a rookie, one of the best defensive players in all of basketball. You know, tons of young talent on that team and some, you know, solid veterans. Granted, they traded some of them away. At this point, at number nine, I'm thinking about that front court. You just took Cason Wallace, who is the guy that I had in mind for them. Uh, you could lean towards a Taylor Hendricks. You could go towards an upside guard like Nick Smith. I'm thinking about bolstering that front court with as much versatility as possible. And I'm going Taylor Hendricks here. Um, I'm just, I'd be fascinated to see a front court with Hendricks and Walker Kessler, Lowry Markinen, who proved in Cleveland that he can play the three. Uh, I think you could potentially have one of the best defenses in all of basketball with those guys out there at number nine. What do you think that would do to like the fluidity of your offense though? I wonder I wonder like the the if you think about like the ball handling issues that have been brought up with Hendricks, I would wonder about putting him and Kessler and and Markinen. Markinen can get get off the dribble a little bit, but like I, I I would think that would be an interesting trio. I wonder what that would do to their offense. I feel you. Uh and I'll say I'm not against being bad for a year. <laughs> I'm not, against, I'm not against having some fit issues. I'm okay with waiting for the moment, like, to, again, to tie this back to, you know, compiling picks. I'm okay with waiting for that trade and that moment or that pick, whoever it might be, for the guy that we want to be our, our lead ball handler of the future of the Jazz. I just don't, I just don't think you're going to find that guy right here at the ninth pick. And, I, and like, fit-wise, I prefer Hendricks over Walker with their existing pieces there because of, of Hendricks's improved three-point shooting. So at number 10, now we come to Dallas. Uh, whew, they're probably trying to trade, but, you know, who, who are probably. you taking at 10 if they stay? Oh, uh, let's see. If Dallas is at 10, I had somebody ask me if uh, Amin would be a good pick at 10, and I just kind of laugh because that's just not going to happen. Uh, it, Dallas at 10, they need creators. I, you know, I, I was reading, too, about what Pina said their their needs were there. You don't know in the in the draft guide that people should check out, obviously, and read. Um, he was just talking about the, the fact that they've been trying to fill this spot, and Kyrie comes in as the latest risky experiment that they make. And he may not come back next year. Uh, it seems likely that he probably won't. Uh, would this be a good spot to take a bet on a Nick Smith? Like somebody that has, I know, but he can, we know that he can sort of oscillate wildly. He could end up being the next, you know, he could be like a Jordan Poole. Is that a compliment? I don't know. I know to you it's not. Uh, what do you think about them potentially taking Nick Smith there? I mean, it, I think it makes some sense. Um, upside guy. He could provide some scoring in your backcourt. Um, I don't know. If I'm a Mavs fan and I got Nick Smith, I'd be like, damn. Like, does he help us compete for the playoffs and the finals right now? I don't, th- I don't think so. Is that another Jaden Hardy move, basically? Yeah, it's kind of what yeah, you're feeling yeah, I like. I mean, yeah. Yeah, but like who, who, who at number 10 actually helps you with that? Like, does, I love Jarris Walker, but does Jarris Walker help you his rookie season, his sophomore season, compete in the NBA playoffs? Maybe, maybe I don't, uh, I'd be intrigued, but like, I think if you had, like you're thinking about fit wise with Luca, a Walker or Luca pick and roll on offense is getting switched probably a lot of the time. Uh, defensively, he's still so young. I don't know. That's a tough spot, man. That's a really tough spot. If the Dallas Mavericks end up at number 10, how about Grady Dick? 
Is he is he an option there with his shooting ability? Is, you know, space on the floor for Luca. He is. You want you wonder like, do they need to add another defensive problem? That's the question too. I mean, assuming I don't know if you're wondering if he would even. If you're assuming he would start next to Luca, which I don't think that he would, I mean, I don't know if that would be a sort of uh, maybe a slightly better version of what they're getting out of like Bretons type thing. Um, I don't know. Or do they need to go towards like a rim protector? Would that be a bad spot to reach for like a Derek Lively who could give mm, you some could give you some spunk there and give you some rim protection? And he's a lot threat. That could be an interesting one. Or your guy James Naji, who we talked about last week. Is he too young, too raw? Probably. Yeah, for that he pick, probably but, is. But you know, but fit wise, and you know, uh, what everything you're saying makes sense there. But let's go with Nick Smith for these purposes. At 11, I just mentioned Grady Dick. Uh, whether the Orlando Magic, I think Grady Dick would add a necessary, you know, spark of shooting in that situation. We had Cam Whitmore go to them with the seventh pick. Dick at 11 makes a lot of sense to me. I just, you know, think about him coming off of dribble handoffs with, you know, whether it's Franz Wagner. Or no matter who it is, they have so much size in their front court. Wendell Carter, high pick and roll. If a Fultz, if there's a Fultz Carter pick and roll, you get Grady Dick coming off a screen off ball. I think Dick would be a nice fit for the Orlando Magic. I'm never gonna not snicker. I will just move on. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oklahoma City as the twelfth pick <laughs> because I'm a child. Uh, yeah, Oklahoma City. It's so fun to watch. It's it's tough too because you're you're thinking forward about what we're going to be thinking about them with Chet. So it's like okay, I I mean if I could add a guy that I wonder if they have the luxury of maybe taking a chance on somebody with some upside, like with some some talent. Adding some more shooting could be could be good. Would it be good for them to potentially like add an off ball mover here? Because I don't think they need to add a handler. I think they have enough handlers in their main rotation. Like that's covered for their first and second unit. Some more rim protection would be nice too. Um, so you start thinking about the se- similar guys. You start talking about Lively or Najee or or even reaching down and uh, talking about somebody else. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. What what would you agree? What do you think their their needs are right now? What, what if you asked? If you ask OKC fans, what do you think their needs would be? I'd like some beef next to Chet Holmgren in the front court, but I don't think you're going to find that right here. But unless you're thinking about beef in terms of a six foot six foot seven, six foot eight guy, Jarris Walker, I think he's the pick. I think he's the pick. He'd be my pick here, Jarris Walker at number twelve. This is a potential major steal, and with his upside on offense as well, we saw in high school. You know, he can do a bit more off the dribble than he was asked to do at Houston. Um, yeah, Jar- Jarris Walker to me is the pick here because, like, if you're playing small, you know, that Chet Jarris Walker front court has versatility, it has rim protection, it has, you know, toughness. And like, I think those guys would have enough rim protection and size with Walker who could defend the bigger guy um, that it could potentially work. So we'll go with Jarris Walker for. The 12th pick here to Oklahoma City. But I think you know, they could go a lot of different directions here. At number 13, the Toronto Raptors. We'll see what they end up doing at, at their head coach after getting rid of Nick Nurse. You know, at this point, like they have Scotty Barnes, they have Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi. They get a bunch of big, beefy wings. They just acquired Jacob Pertle ahead of the trade deadline. So they have themselves a solid center. It, it, Fred Van Vliet. Seems like there's a strong probability he returns. We'll see there. Um, but I say, I think I'm still targeting something in that backcourt or the wing position. So, you know, maybe a, a Jet Howard, a, a Jalen Hood Shafino, a Keontae George, 
somebody like that. Who stands out to you as the pick for the Raptors here? I had written down here a dribble pull-up threat that will hold up uh, defensively. And it's kind of, I always do this funny thing where like I start listing off like the things that they need in a player. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm describing a superstar. And at that spot, you're not <laughs> going to get a superstar. Um, I think Keontae is interesting here. I think Keontae is somebody that that would give you some of that, that would give you some more consistent, he give give you some shooting versatility, uh, move on and off the ball. Um the defensive part I'm not as sure about because, you know, philosophically, they're pretty rigid. Like, they're not willing to bend, like, on, on stuff like that. I would I would consider Keontae here. I just for, We'll just pull the trigger for, for time's sake. But, yeah, I'll say, I'll say Keontae would be an interesting pick for them there. I actually thought Orlando would be a good fit for him, too, with their other pick. So, with New Orleans now at the 14th pick, last pick of the lottery here, um, I mean, who knows with their situation with the health of Zion Williamson. It's it's really hard to say, uh, given his his state right now. But some good things going there. Um, boy, like this is tough. Like this is this is the point of the draft here, Kyle, where it's like, eh, I don't know. A lot of those types of guys where you feel pretty good about, you know, certain guys, other guys are a lot iffy on them. At 14 for New Orleans. Hmm. How about Repair out of the NBL, versatile defensive wing, a French prospect. Got to represent the French here, um, considering my of history. Course. Um, so let, let's let's we started the lottery with Victor Webanyama out of France. We'll end it with Rupert, excellent defensive prospect. Uh, could pair him in a backcourt with CJ McCollum. Pair him with Herb Jones. You have one of two of the best defensive wings potentially in basketball. Uh, be a heck of a lot of fun watching those guys out there. So, uh, how do you feel about that selection? Do they need another wing? I don't know. It just feels this uh, this roster is interesting. Like, well, wh- where is he going to play? That's the thing. Like, is he going to be able to move ahead of any of these guys? I True doubt for it. a lot of guys, though, right? Like, yeah, where where's any of them going to play? They have so many guys. Like, Dyson Daniels is getting inconsistent minutes. Yeah, and I like Daniels better than I like Repair, and, and yeah. yeah, that's 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 tough. It's it, it, this is a weird roster because if you look at it, you're like, well, they have like all the roles accounted for, and yet it just kind of didn't work. I guess um, it makes you wonder too if maybe this would be a good spot for them to upgrade uh, with a big to just you know bank another big if if they're not going to hang on to Jackson Hayes long term. I don't know. I mean, I whatever we're here. I mean, I, I'd probably just take the, the most talented player available and just see see how it goes if they even keep this pick. Hmm. Well, Kyle, we did our final lottery mock drafts. We'll see. Can you imagine if the order ends up exactly this? Indiana, Portland, Detroit, Charlotte. We'll have done the work already. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Wipe our hands and walk away. Yeah, <laughs> Just copy and paste the conversation. We're done. You heard it first already. But next week, we will be doing a a post-lottery reaction show um, that you'll get on this podcast feed. Will you be in L.A. for it, Kyle? Is that confirmed, or or what's going to be going on there? Uh, nothing set in stone yet. There are forces at work, potentially. We'll see. Well, okay. I'll let everybody know. Well, you know, you'll you'll know, Kev. You'll, you'll be yes. one of the first people to know if I'm going to yes. be there. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, on the, <laughs> I'm on the list. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> well... This is a fun one, Kyle. Well, so much to, that's going to be going down next week. I, I'm I'm very excited for the draft lottery. It's going to allow us to really discuss a lot more about you know team priorities and needs and ex- objectives and what they should be doing in the month ahead of the draft. But uh, yeah, Kyle, this is fun, man. I, I'm it's 
been a long season talking draft with you. I'm still having a lot of fun, man. But this next, next week, this is when things get really real, right? This is when things get serious. We need something concrete to talk about. We're, yes. we're, everything's so just kind of abstract. We need. I, I'm ready for the order to come out so we can really start digging into what teams are going to do. And the combine, too, because the combine is where that's where information starts trickling out a lot about mm-hmm. players, what they're working on, medical stuff, interview stuff. Like, there's a lot that's going to change starting next week. So I'm excited, man. Here we go. Draft season. We're here, baby. Let's go, Kyle. Uh, this is uh, the Ringers NBA Draft Show. Thanks, Kyle, man. I hope you have a good rest of your day, man. You too, bud. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Ringers NBA Draft Show. Thank you to Jesse Lopez for producing. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Please make sure you leave us a rating and review. Subscribe or follow if you haven't already. Have a good day.